Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. But these are written, everything written in the book of John. This is the author, this is the guy writing it. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Listen, I'm writing all this stuff down. John's saying, I'm writing all this stuff down because he is the Messiah, he is the Son of God, and there is life found in this man. That's why he's writing the whole thing. So everything that we're reading is like slanted in that direction. That's why many times, like if people have difficulty, you know, is, was he really God? You know, was he really God incarnate? Like, uh, in the human body, uh, how? A lot of times people point to, well, let's read the book of John. Let's study through it together. Let's see, let's see what happens. If, this, if there really is a God that comes in human flesh, what kind of life did he lead? Who did he hang out with? What types of things happened? What types of people were around him? So, that's why John's writing the book. And all these things that we have been reading so far have a heavy slant that way. So we talked about Nick at night a few weeks ago, right? And then last week, um, we talked about a different situation where it was another one-on-one, but it wasn't with a man, and it wasn't with a well-respected Jewish man. It was with a woman, and not a, very, not a woman with a very good reputation. So she's out by herself in the heat of the day, you know, getting some water, and uh, she's a Samaritan, which is like a half-breed, and they didn't really like, and there was discrimination there, you know, and, wasn't a good thing. And Jesus chose to uh, sit and talk with this woman. And uh, like what we talked about last week, the main idea of last week, the main topic of their conversation was worship, right? Worship. And we talked about that last week, right? Worship. How do we know if we're truly worshiping God? How do we know? How can we feel secure the fact that, yes, I worship God? God today. Because we could deceive ourselves, right? We could like come into a church or be around a group of people that believe a particular way and we could say, yep, I worship this morning. Well, how do we? Where do we go? What does that look like? And he told the woman, right? Real worshipers worship in, yeah, a couple people paid attention, right? In spirit and in truth. That's how you worship. That's how you worship. In spirit and in truth. So location, he's everywhere. He is everywhere. It's definitely best to be like, if you're going to be with, corporately with a group of people, you want to be with a group of Bible-believing Christians and believers that hold on to the core doctrines. But when we're by ourselves, like we can worship. right? We don't just have to wait for Sunday morning with Nate to be here when we worship. That'd be, that wouldn't work out too good, right? wouldn't work out too good. Right? We can worship anytime, anywhere, any place, and our worship is powerful. It is powerful. So that's the good news about the Spirit. And then in truth, the truth of worship, the truth of worship, how do we come before God in a way that would please Him and in a way where we can feel his presence in our lives, where we can have him and his truth be manifest through us and work around us. How? How does that work? What does that look like? What kind of people should I be around? What type of things should I be thinking about? What should I do the night before? What should I be doing during? These are all good questions to ask. And the good news is we have a loving father who laid that out for us. said, this is how you approach me. 
These are things that are acceptable. These are things that I desire. And they even said that in that passage in John. It said, God desires those who worship in spirit and in truth. So the truth end, God has made it really clear. This is what I want. Pour out yourselves to me. Worship. Worship. I'm a holy God. Get things right before you come into my presence. And that doesn't mean like, well, I can only start to involve God in my life or be in church when I'm like all fixed up. Because if that's the case, we're never showing up. Like, we'll be empty every day. It's not going to work. But the idea being is that God is going to speak and minister to the Christian's heart, to the believer's heart. He's going to speak some things. And we can choose to listen and go with that or fight against it and procrastinate against it. And it's going to hurt our worship. Really, We really will never be able to enter into a place where we're going to say, Lord, I love you. Just have all of me. God, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I want you to have your way. Lord, I am yours. What are we doing today? You know, like you can't cry out your heart like that and be in that posture and position like that if there's like stuff going on that God told us to deal with that we never really quite dealt with. You know? So the Christians, we're called to worship in spirit and in truth. He showed us how. He's told us how. Let's do it. Let's lose ourselves in it. It will just free us up. That's just what's really going to happen. Many times you think it's going to embarrass us and we're going to look weird. And, because worship is so much more than just singing, right? It's so much more than just singing. It's a lifestyle of worship. How can I worship him in, you know, my job place? How can I worship him when I'm sitting at home? How can I worship him on a Saturday afternoon when I'm cleaning out the garage? You know, how? Lord, how? What, what can we do? What, what, what do you want to speak to me? Who can I pray for, right? Worship, worship. I think one of the best pictures of worship um, that we see, there's a great, lot of great pictures, but one of the best ones uh, that I just thought of, you know, as I was studying this week, was uh, there's really two women, believe it or not. There, there's two women that washed Jesus' feet. And um, one of them we'll read about later in the book of John, John chapter 12. And uh, Mary, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll go just go there real quick and I'll just read it to you. And it's just, it's just awesome. Because this is a picture. Wouldn't it be nice to be like, okay, well, like, what does worship, you know, really look like? How can we talk about it? What's a good way to talk about it? So it says, six days... Six days, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. The whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas, we've heard about this guy, right? Judas Iscariot, who's later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say it's because he actually cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was in it. And then Jesus goes on to explain like her actions and stuff. But it's awesome. Like That's a picture of worship. Like, we come to him, she brought a year's worth, 
of money, of this expensive perfume, cracked open the flask, dumped it on his probably dirty, grimy feet. I mean, this, you know, they have nice sneakers and they're walking on dirt roads, and, you know, sweaty guys. You know. So he takes this like year's worth salary, dumps it on his feet, all the best that she has. She's worked hard for it. She's saved for it. Gone in a second. And then she's a woman, so she takes her hair, right? It's a woman's hair, a very important thing, especially in that day and age. And then she starts to wash off his feet with her hair. It's incredible. It's a powerful picture of worship. And you know what's very interesting is we never see, it's never recorded. I don't know if it's the case. But it's not recorded in the Bible that, hey, she got another years of salary of that same ointment somewhere else. God paid her back some way, shape, or form. She didn't lose out on that money. Like, he, he put it back in there. I like the fact, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. doesn't say. Probably led to believe it didn't happen that way. And I kind of like that. Because it gives a really good picture of worship. It is like this extravagant worship that we pour out the best of ourselves, not worrying about what we might get in return later. It's because you are Lord, you are God, you are do this, and I'm bringing to you and giving it to you. Have your way. That's a pure, worshipful heart. And what a great picture. It's awesome. That's worshiping in spirit and in truth. Right? And that's stuff that we talked about last week. Amen is right, right? Man, because when we get there and we're in that place, he rocks us. Sometimes he wrecks us. And we're just like, (laughs) it's good. Don't fight it off. Yes, you look silly. Okay, yes, you do. And so what? Right? So what? We've already talked about it. It's been established in the Bible. John the Baptist made it really clear. We got to decrease, he's got to increase. It's the name of the game, right? We talked about it. We got to know our role in the kingdom. Our role is that we are created, we are loved, and we're expendable for whatever he wants to do. We can be trusted with that. We can trust our Father. It's good news, real good news. And honestly, what that worship does is then it just starts to just break off stuff in our lives. And it helps us to see things more clear for what they really are instead of what we thought they were. And man, now it's powerful. And then what happens next is now we can't get enough. And then we're doing stuff like singing in the car to ourselves. We're like maybe like writing poetry or something down. Or like expressions start to come out of the worship encounter that was just with him. It's awesome. That's what we're called to be. It's what we're called to live. That's like what should set Bible-believing Christians apart. It's like, man, I know how, I've been with Jesus today. Like, I just, and we don't even really need to say it. It's just coming out of our lives. There's all kinds of talk going on all the time about who knows what and who's doing what. Like, when we're with Jesus, there's no doubting it. And to that point, let's take a look. Because now she has just been with him, so let's see what happens, right? So here we go. This won't go real long. We're going to have communion after. But let's take a look see what it says. It says, Just then, 
His disciples returned and were surprised to see him talking with a woman. <laughs> so they get back, right? They get back and he's hanging out. Now he's talking to a woman. He's talking to a Samaritan woman. <laughs> and I'm sure when they're walking back with the food, right? Because they went to the town to buy food. For whatever reason, Jesus didn't go. And as we read it, I, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest with you, if he was really just too tired to make it. Like he's just like, I can't walk anymore. I am just shot. I'm beat. Jesus, be too tired? Definitely. He's in human body. He definitely could have. So they get back, and they're like, uh, I'm sure, you know, Peter, James, and John are like, what? You say, I'm not saying that. That's weird, right? I don't know that. You know, so they get back, but no one asked anything. They weren't too bright, but that time they were bright. Says, uh, what do you want? Um, Or why are you talking with her, right? Nobody asked that. So verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, so what did she leave? Her water jar, right? So that's in your bulletin, right? She, what did she forget to bring back? She didn't bring back her water jar. She went to the water well, middle of the day. It's hot out. The whole point is to go there to get some water. She did, she, the whole reason she went there, she didn't leave with it. Why did she do that? Because she encountered Jesus. That's just what he does sometimes. Sometimes we just go out, you know, thinking, oh, you know, I'm just going to go do this, or I'm just going to go to church, or I'll just sit down and maybe read for a little bit, or I'll just pray for so-and-so, or I'll just go on a trip to Walmart, whatever it is. And then, boom, something will just happen. Something will just come up. And we're going to, I had to go there to get paper towels, but, like, let me tell you what happens, you know? Like, things change. There's now not just stuff and coincidence that happen. There's divine appointments that have been set up, and now we walk in them. We want to live in that life, don't we? The grind. We all know the grind. Getting up, going to work, doing our day, coming back, doing the dinner, doing the dishes. It starts again tomorrow. It's the grind. Christian has divine appointments. Divine appointments. The grind is like the mission field. It's where our faith comes alive because it doesn't come alive because of a church service. The world was never changed because of a church service. The world was changed because of people in that church services, their hearts were changed, their lives were changed, and they went out, changed the environment, changed the culture. Right? That's the goal. Transformation. Change. So she left her water jar. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, we don't really have a recording of that, um, early on in verse 17, you know, Jesus asked her, you know, go back to your husband, you know, come on back, let's keep talking. And she's like, uh, well, you know, I don't have a husband. And uh, you know what, he's right. Um, in fact, you had five of them, and the guy you're living with now, like, he's not your husband either. Um, and so that's a recorded conversation we have, but she takes it further here, and she's like, he told me everything I ever did. So maybe there was more they talked about, you know, that John just chose not to record down, but... You get the sense that this girl is rocked, right? Like she is rocked. Says, could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah? He just told her he was in verse 26. But she's running. You can get a picture. I don't know, the picture in my mind that I have is like, she was at the well. She just talked with him. Jesus' boys like just showed up. And she's like, 
probably wide-eyed, just can't believe the conversation she just had with the Messiah. Hello, like this is the biggest event ever. And she just talked with him one-on-one. So she's probably like, her mind's racing. Her water jar is probably, I don't even know if she even got any water after that. It's probably still sitting there empty. And she's like, and she's like, I just talked with this guy. He told me everything I ever did. And I think he's the Messiah. Like, I think there's like, this is dramatic. This is a heavy-duty scene going on here. Like, you don't see the word, you know, it's just words on a page. But you've got to figure if you put yourself in the sandals, like, it's probably what it looks like. So it says, they all came out of the town of verse 30, and they made their way toward him. So like, huh, let's check this out. Verse 31. Meanwhile, this is interesting to me, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. It's weird to me, verse 31. They come back. He's sitting talking to a woman by himself, to a Samaritan woman in the middle of the day. Doesn't look all that great. Then she probably leaves freaking out, yelling and telling everybody about it. And the first question they ask is not like, what happened? What's going on? Why is she running like that? Hey, uh, aren't you hungry? Like, <laughs> she's odd to me. It's just, it's just odd. Like, there's a lot going on. And then food, the guys. Like, we go to food. You know, it's just, we get to food now. Well, we went for food. We came back with food. So, why don't you eat something? And Jesus is like, so he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Like, I'm eating my food right now. It's happening right before you. You're not even seeing it. Like, the meal is here. It's happening right before your eyes. And I know you guys just got bread, but, like, the real deal is happening right now. Verse 33. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Like, <laughs> like did you even hear what he just said? I have food that you know nothing about. So like, oh, he must have a secret stash. And maybe she brought him some and like, he ate already. Well, that wasn't nice. He told us to go get it. And then he ate. Like, just not connecting. Not connecting. It's good because I can see a lot of myself in there. Is there an amen to that one? I'm sure God, a lot of times he's like, that is just not connecting. Like, what you're saying is just, no. It's just not connecting. Thank God he's patient. So he's like, okay, let me just lay this out for you because you're obviously not getting this. So verse 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I don't have a secret stash of food somewhere. It's to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So what kind of diet is Jesus on? He's on a will work diet. Will work diet. He's on a will work diet. To do the will of the one who sent him, right? That's his work. That's what's feeding him up. That's his diet. It's to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's the diet he's on. A will work diet. So somebody asks you now, it's like, yeah, I'm on that new, like, you know, will work diet. Oh, really? What's that one? Oh, that's to do the will. 
of my Father who sent me and finish his work. And after the eyes are like, okay, you know, they walk away. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Do the will of him and finish his work. So he says here, listen, do not say, now I say that in joking, right, but that really should be our focus, right? Like that's really what should be feeding us, right? You understand that? Like that's like, he's, he's comparing his relationship with the Father to just a basic necessity like food, right? Just like we would like air. We just need it. It sustains us. In fact, in some cases, his word and his presence is more important than food and sustenance. That, that's pretty heavy duty. Because we like it is wise, you know, to take care of yourself, right? To eat right when you can and try to, and it's important to exercise, it's important to take care of what's going on here in this temple we've been given. And it's important to like take care of that. At the same time, sometimes that takes a back seat and we skip a meal. Or we like, don't head to that workout. Or we like, don't do this thing over here. And we're just like, no, this is a moment like with God right now. I gotta like, I gotta do this right now. This is something that, this is from Him. I don't know what's going on. Like, this is time I gotta be with Him right now. I don't know if I'm doing that thing or doing this, but like, this is His time right now. So He says, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me to finish His work. Do you not say, Four months more than the harvest. So now he's trying to lay it out and explain it. So they look around. This is probably like what? Maybe like late spring or something like that. And he says, well, don't you guys look around, you know? Crops aren't done yet. Four months of the harvest. So we can actually bring our harvest in. He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Exclamation point. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. In other words, the reaper, right? You sow seed, right? You reap something around Thanksgiving time, right? A harvest. You reap it. It says even the reaper, God the Father himself, is drawing his wages, even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. Even now, the Father is setting into motion and gathering a harvest for himself, even though the way of salvation has not yet been completed or finished yet. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross yet. He didn't raise from the dead yet. But the Father has it already set in motion He's trying to gather those he loves. He's trying to get his harvest of eternal life. Gather those to him that he passionately loves. He's been passionately pursuing them since day one, since the garden. Because right after man sinned in the garden, Genesis chapter 3, there's already God has spoken in a prophecy where he basically says, Jesus is coming and the way of salvation is going to be here. Like God the Father, way before Jesus came on the cross, already had a way set up and in motion, ready to go to passionately pursue us, the harvest. And while Jesus was walking around, he was setting it up 
so that we could be with him. It's like he didn't just wait until Jesus did his thing and he paid the penalty and then tried to bring people into himself. Heck no, man. He's been working hard since day one, since the garden. That's awesome. It's an awesome father. Most of us fathers and moms and parents or whatever don't know a whole lot about that. You did the crime, you pay the time. And once you've learned your lesson, then we can talk. So we do. There's a place for that. God the Father's like, no, I want, I've created you to be with me. I created you. I have a destiny that's so much bigger on your life. I want you to walk in it and experience it and know it. I didn't just save it for heaven. You're called to live in it now. It's the hope of the world. Right? It's good news. It's the gospel. Amen? Oh, I can feel it. It's good news, right? It's good news. So he says, verse 36, right? So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. I love it. I love it. The sower and the reaper can be glad together. Jesus is sowing seeds. There's even prophets that came before that sowed seeds and set up this entire nation. And I just pictured this, you know, picture at the end with the father and the son, and they're just like glad together. Be like, man, this is awesome. We got our sons and daughters like back where they belong, back on track. It's awesome, beautiful picture. Like the father and the son are going to hug in love and in affection together because they can have us back. Some people think they're worth nothing because maybe life has told them that. C-R-A-P, right? L-I-E, right? All over the place. As the Christians, we're called to see that value in people and communicate it back to them. That's how you really love on people. You can buy them some coffee. It's good. Be encouraging. Good. Get to know about their family. Good. Give them a smile. Good. Give them a cheerful encouragement. Good. Also, be in prayer, like, for them and for their heart. This isn't like an evangelistic project. This is a person loved by God with a destiny that's great. Let's be in prayer for them, like, for my coworkers, those around my life, those in my neighborhood, and be like, oh, Lord, you've created them. I want to know them. I want to see some of that heart. I want to be able to call that out. So when, like, maybe if I get offended by them or something comes up or they say something I don't like or they're difficult to deal with, I don't really see it that much. I'm seeing what you've placed in my heart. I'm starting to see them as you see them. That's where we want to be, right? Being easily offended is not really the place for the Christian. It's not going to be real, real successful, just like everybody else. We're not easily offended because we see the value the eternal value that's created in people. So the reaper and the sower, they're going to be hugging together. Verse 37 says, Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have now worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. This awesome, awesome kingdom principle there. Like these guys didn't even sow a bunch of these seeds and they're reaping the harvest. 
I mean, that's like you doing a garden at your house. I did all the hard work at mine and dug up the soil, put the seeds in, watered them, sweated outside, like did all that. I'm like, yeah, it ain't growing real good. Showed up at your house, took all your stuff, said, thanks, appreciate it. (laughs) Sometimes that's the way the kingdom works. Other people are sowing seeds and doing different things. Somebody may come in at another point later, and then they're in prayer with that individual, praying them right through as they give their lives over to Christ. And hopefully, you know, a Christian three years ago is like, yeah, but I told them that thing so they remembered that verse, so like I'm in there too, right? We don't do stuff like that, man. We just rejoice in what the king is doing. So like what we talked about last week, you know, like if another church plant comes in an Augatuck, you know what I mean? They boom, next year, 500 people, you know? Hopefully the people at CCNL are like, yes, go get it, you know? Like what can we do? How can we come on board? We're doing this. We're expanding the kingdom, right? Church with the big C. We got to be people like that. See, when we, when we see people around us, you know, maybe doing better or getting a job or see, things seem to be going easier and maybe they're being blessed. You know, I say in quotes because it's like we judge it based on, you know, what we think we're seeing. Man, just rejoice for them. God, thank you that you're blessing their life. I know you have my life too and I'm not doing the pity party thing. I'm going to rejoice for what you're doing in our life. Give them more. Shower them. May they know your love. I know you're working on it in my life. Right? That's how we're called to respond. Anybody can just do the natural nature stuff and just, no, nah, I shouldn't be getting that. I've been, I've been doing this. I've paid my dues, you know. I've had a hard life, you know. And people get salty and they get bitter and like this stuff gets in there and then, ah, it's no good, right? It's no good. You gotta get out of that stuff. You can't be around that. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me, look at her radical testimony. He told me everything I ever did. That was her testimony. Come on up. He told me everything I ever did. And you guys are stressing, you know, when you write your testimonies for baptisms. Is it good? You know, is it not good? Should I say, ah, whatever, man. The way she said, right? The way she said this. The way she said, he told me everything I ever did. Man, her body language, her tone of voice, everything about where her ooze out, be like, she ain't kidding. This is real. Everything about her delivery will communicate that because it's true and it's real. You can't get out of that. It's a powerful testimony. Not because of the words, but because of the reality. It says, verse 40, So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Man, this lady was a catalyst. It's awesome. You got this woman living with a guy, five failed marriages. 
Not a real great reputation. Who knows what she's doing with the guy she's with now. To transform in her little town to become a believer to Jesus Christ. Because she was with him, man. Because she encountered him. Because she was with him. Because of her testimony. Testimonies are so powerful. So powerful. Because, man, we could, like, talk about Hebrew. We could talk about Aramaic. We could talk about the manuscripts and how they got here and, you know, the history. And that stuff has its place, and it's important. No doubt about it. But if this thing turns into, when we're talking to coworkers, and it's just like, just this mental sort of ascent of who knows what, and I know more, so I guess I defer to you. And that's not the Christian life. It's like, who knows Jesus? Who knows his heart? Whose life has been transformed? What's going on right now? God is doing something right now. Who is in tune with that? Who knows what that is? If so, we want to hear it. Right? Like, that's a testimony. And there's definitely a big push in the Christian life and Christian churches to be like, hey, give your testimony, give your testimony, give your testimony. As if there's like one this grand testimony. You know, like... It's going to be lots of different stories. But here's the difficulty. There's this big push because there's just not a lot of just regular free-flowing testimonies or witnesses of what God is doing. You could probably suggest that there's maybe a lot, not a lot of witnesses or testimonies because there's really not a lot of real deep relationships. I'm not throwing stones, but I'm just saying, like, for a lot of times, in a lot of places, unless it's a project at church, people don't do it. That's stinky. That's no good. Right? It'd be silly for me to, like, a testimony as being a witness, right? It'd be silly for me to, like, get in a car accident and have something happen, have to go to court. They want witnesses there. So I just call up a friend, say, hey, you know, you know me. Yep, I know you. Yep. I got to go to court. I got in a car accident. I need you to testify for me. Okay. Um, so you, would you mind doing that? Uh, yeah, I guess. But uh, I wasn't at the accident. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, just testify. I'm a good guy. You know, it's just, that's ludicrous, right? They want a witness who has been there, who knows something about the situation, who had some kind of interaction with it. So it carries weight. There's just far too many Christians that have spent a lot of the Christian life on the bench and have never really gotten in the game, but yet they want to talk like they've been in the game because they're being told to act like you've been in the game. I said that fast, but I think that you got it. It's like far too many Christians are just been sitting on the bench, riding the pine, being like, yep, I believe in Jesus. I said the prayer. I believe in the stuff he did. Okay. And they just sit there, right? Mentally assent. Like, they will agree to it. They will verbally say it. But, like, there's this thing called life over here. And, like, the actual deal. And they got their home, right? And they got their work. And they got whatever they do throughout the week. They got their friends. They got all the relationships, things that happen. And very little comes into that. And then when the church or the preacher or somebody says, you know, give your testimony. You know, share some of your life. Give some of your testimony. It's like a real strain. It's like, well, I don't know. I don't, 
You know, there's a reason why there's a strain there and why that's difficult. It's so much easier to have a testimony when we've just been with him. Be like, man, he is doing this. He has just done such and such. He's, he's changing me here. He's told me this. So much different. Her testimony was not radical. He told me everything I ever did. I mean, that's kind of cool. Like, oh, interesting, you know, but I don't know if I'll start believing what you're saying. But man, there was something just compulsive about it. It's just like believable about it, right? We're called to share our testimonies. Say what God is doing in our hearts and in our lives. And it's really difficult to do if we're not really in a relationship with Him and encountering with Him on a regular basis. Right? Really difficult. Then it's just like a heavy burden to bear. That's not the goal. That's not what God is asking us to do. Look what happens here. He stayed two more days, which is just, it's just hilarious. Because most Jews wouldn't even go through that area. They wouldn't even go. They'd go around Samaria because there was so much discrimination and intolerance of that people group. They would go around. They'd just travel right around. She's so like, nope, I'm going through. I'm going to talk to a woman there. And now I'm staying there a couple more days. If I'm getting dirty, I'm getting all kinds of dirty. Because that's how they were viewed. It was like dirty, right? They would be unclean. So verse 42 says, They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. No. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. That's the goal of the testimony, right? Not to shine light on us and make us look good. Testimonies really should be making us not really looking us. They don't make us look very good. That's kind of the story where we fell short, where sin overtook our lives, where we struggled, where we fell down, where we tried our own way and it didn't work. Doesn't make us look real great. Makes him look great. That's his testimony, his story. And the, and, and the fruit of a healthy testimony is then they go get in contact with Jesus and with the Father. And Oh, I see what you're talking about now. Let me tell you what he's doing in my life. Right? So awesome. The power of the testimony. One quick thought before we close and we do communion here. The thing that's really interesting to me. The thing that's interesting is these disciples were right in the middle of something. You would agree that this is awesome, right? It's aw- say it's awesome. it's awesome. Yes, it is awesome. It's an awesome thing. It's not just change one woman's life. That's awesome. That's awesome. Then start changing the town. And people. So we want to do here as a church, right? But the disciples, they didn't even see it. They didn't even see it. It was happening right in front of their faces, and they didn't see it. And, you know, I don't think it's too far off to think that many times we could be in the exact same place. Because Jesus had to go into that whole, like, exposition of about how... You know, this is happening here. You say the harvest is coming for your food that you eat. I get it, but the harvest is ripe. Like, these people are hungry. It is here now. They're responding now. Let's get into this. We'll eat later. Let's go get it. They're like, God, okay. Right? We're called to discern and understand and be aware of where he is and where he is moving. And catch that thing. 
Anybody ever go bodyboarding or surfing? Eh, a couple. New Englanders, right? Body surfing, right? Bodyboarding, body surfing. Surfing, right? Bodyboarding, right? Water, waterboarding, yes. <laughs> no to those. Um, so you'd have to go to the ocean, right? You can't do it in the sound, right? It's no fun. Right? So you head to the ocean, right? And you swim out there. Hope it's a good wave day, right? You swim on out there. And you head out and you see the waves crashing. And, right? So the idea, the skill, the trick, the trick is to get out there and, like, you know, bodyboard and you catch it. You see it coming. And so you're able to just start swimming at just the right time so that way you catch that wave when it's coming. And then if you catch it at the right spot, you could just, right, like a pencil, bang, right? And you just, you don't even kick anymore, right? You don't kick, right? It just carries you right to the shore, right? It just carries you. Right? You did the hard work back there. You caught it at the perfect time so you could ride further and farther than you could have before, Right? The Spirit works in very much the same way. And we've got to catch the wave of Him when He is working and moving. Because it is very true that He comes in waves many times. And it's also very true that we could totally miss it. Man, God was here. His presence was there. I had a moment. He spoke to my heart. and I, I got caught up in some other thing. And many times we do. We get caught up in some other thing. We get caught up in our bills. We get caught up in the chores that got to get done. We get caught up in like the hustle and bustle. Who's going to do this? Who's going to watch the kids? Who's going to go over there? I got to go to this party over here. I got to get this thing for the office over there. And like these things are important. I'm not saying they're not important. What I am saying is that we're in the middle of it, though. Let's not miss the stuff that could be right in front of our face and catch that wave. So, man, somebody could just be ordinary and just difficult and tough to deal with. Let's catch the wave. I'm a Christian. I'm there. I got the hope of the world, right? He put us in their lives. Man, let's just start blasting them. God, I thank you for that person. You love them so much. It's hard for me to see sometimes. But if they knew how they were acting, they knew how they were, they wouldn't want to be like that. And I know it, Father. You got a destiny for them. Help me to respond in that destiny that I believe for them that they can't even see yet. Christian stuff. This is Christian prayers. So far beyond ourselves, right? Man, let us not miss the stuff that's happening right in front of our face. Jesus had to explain it to him. That's like one thing I could you know, definitely have some fear about when I stand before our maker at the end there kind of plays through life and he shows us things. Oh, my heart's going to break when he's like, Stuff was happening in a particular place in a particular moment. I was just totally oblivious. That would just break my heart. Wouldn't that break your heart? It would break my heart even more if it was because I missed it because I was into my own stuff. (sighs) Let's not be like that. Let's not go there. Let's just keep riding waves, man. Right? Let's pray. Father, we're about to come up and do communion, Lord. And thank you, Father, for what you've provided for us. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you'd give us. I pray, I pray, first of all, that we would have a desire and a want, Lord, to see what you're doing. 
There could even be some people here just flat out don't even want to see, don't really care. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd soften those hearts, Father. That you'd soften those hearts, Lord. And Father, I just pray, God, that you just put within us a desire to see what you're doing, Lord, where you're going, who you're working on, Lord, where you're working, God. I pray that we have an ability, Lord, to see what hearts you're working on, who you're trying to mold, Father. And I pray, God, that we, it would be important to us to help that process, Lord, and help bring your light and bring your love and bring your truth. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just help us in the realm of relationships, especially, God, when people are difficult and it's frustrating, Lord, and it seems like they don't even appreciate. Father, I pray that we would just be functioning on a whole other level, God, out of their value about who they are, Lord. May you renew this sense of value, Lord, of people in our hearts and in our minds, God. And may you show us how to love him, Father. God, I thank you for what you did for that woman, Lord. We're still talking about it today. It's awesome. I thank you, Father. And I pray, Father, that you would increase the testimonies in this church, Lord. Increase the amount of witnesses, Father. I pray the stuff that happens, Lord, we won't miss it. And I pray that we would be bold enough, God, to share the things that you're doing in our lives, Lord. Father, we thank you for how good you are and how much you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we have communion up here. I would spend the time, and I think Nate would probably come up and do a little soft, maybe cornerstone or something, and Josh maybe you want to like just strum. And um, so we'll have the elements up here. These guys are going to play. And... uh, Hopefully the focus on the time, I don't know, we talked about a lot of different things, but hopefully the focus on the time, God, give me an idea and the same kind of focus where, man, I want to do your will and accomplish the work that you have for me. So when my feet hit the floor in the morning, and when I go to bed at night, God, I want, show me what your will is. I just want to walk in that today. If I mess other stuff up, I just want to walk in your will today. Accomplish what you have for me. Work through me. Those are good days you start off a day like that and start praying like that and praying your way through a day like that because then you actually really start to look for it too. It's like, man, I prayed that today. I know God heard me and I know he's going to open up doors. He's going to lay them right in front of me so I don't want to miss it. All of a sudden we start praying for people like in public places or sending text messages to people and you know, calling people up and stuff just changes. Stuff just changes. Sometimes we got to have just tunnel vision, right? Tunnel vision. His will, his way, his stuff, right? So let's come on up. Let's take the elements. Hold on to them, and then we'll take.